And uh, today we move on uh, to opening uh, blind eyes. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but as we've been going through this series and you look at the miracles that Jesus accomplishes, it's kind of interesting that even though the miracles can take up a lot of the scripture text, uh, the experience can take up a lot of scripture text, the actual miracle itself is, is pretty brief. And so when we come to uh, today's miracle in John 9, 1, so you've got your Bibles, that's where you want to be, Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, 9, and we're going to start at verse 1. As you uh, look at that, you'll see today that we're going to spend most of our time uh, not really talking about the miracle itself, because the miracle is all of two verses. But what happens around the miracle and the numbers of people that are involved and responding uh, is really the bulk of where the teaching comes and what helps us understand uh, why Jesus does these miracles. And, and so today, as we get into John 1, we're going to run into different groups and people, and each one of, each one of those folks helps give us some insight and, and give us reflection on being able to say, hey, um, is that me? Is that where I am? And, and that's going to be the challenge of today, that, that this miracle today, the opening of blind eyes, is uh, more about, ironically, the number of people in our world that live blind than it is about just one guy receiving his sight. And so we get into John 9, 1, and we can see it right away, how it exposes to us a group of people who are living blind. Ironically, the first group of people we run into in the text are disciples. And so you look at 9, 1, it says, as he, meaning Jesus, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. So the man was blind from birth. Thank you. That's what you're supposed to get. You've got to get that in your head for the miracle to make any sense. Okay? Uh, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The importance is you got two verses right away that identify the situation that the guy was born blind. Right? So we're not talking about an experience here where the guy got kicked in the head by a cow and uh, lost his sight for a little while, and miraculously, amazingly, it just kind of came back, right? No, the point of the text is this is an incredible, awesome miracle because this guy was born, how? Blind. It's all he's known. This is the only experience he's known in life. He is born blind. Now, the trouble is, right away, as we look at our first group in the, in the miracle... We look at the disciples and look at the attitude or the sight, the viewpoints of the disciples as they look at this man. The disciples see the guy and they say, oh, here is a great opportunity for a theological debate. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they look at the guy and unfortunately their viewpoint is really a blind viewpoint. They are blinded by what we could call judgment. How do we know that? It's because of the question they ask. The question they ask is, so, Jesus, is this guy blind because he's just really bad and did some really bad things in his life? Or is he blind because his family is really bad and has always been really bad and they did really bad things in their life? 
So which is it? But either way you look at it, when the disciples look at this man, the underlying thought is this guy or his family is really what? Bad. That's why this happened. He's blind because he's really bad. They are making a judgment from the get-go about this guy and his family, are they not? They're making a judgment. They're looking at him with judgmental eyes and saying, obviously, this guy's a loser. He's a loser. Or his family. They're losers. Somebody's a loser here. Right? They're, they're looking at the guy with the eyes of judgment. Judgment blinds us. Judgment blinds us. How many times do you look at your spouse and you see only the things they do wrong? How many times do you look at your kids and only remember the times they really messed up? How many times do you look at your coworkers and you only see them as obstacles in the way of you achieving success? How many times do you go through a checkout counter and you, and you experience that clerk there and you understand them to be there simply as a servant for the few minutes they're supposed to serve you so you can get out of there as fast as you can? You see, how do you look at people? It is so easy for us to look at people only with the eyes of judgment. Now, here's the great irony. The great irony is... Do you know what most unbelievers think about Christians? Most unbelievers look at Christians and say, Oh, those Christians, they're nothing but a bunch of judgmental people. Is this not true? They look at us with blind eyes. And they look at us and say, They are just a bunch of hypocrites who are just judgmental about everybody else and all their problems and faults and can't see their own problems. And we become just like them when we look only with the eyes of judgment at them. Look at Jesus' eyes. How does Jesus respond to the question? So, Jesus, what is it? This guy really bad? Or his family really bad? Somebody's really bad because this would happen only because they're really bad. And his response in verse 3 is what? No, 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 that, that's not what it's about at all. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. What? See, we attribute all the time and we say, well, look, bad things happen in our life because we do bad things. And there's a truth in that, right? You sin, you die. There's a truth in that. There's a truth that when you sin, you're bringing some potentially bad things into your life. But not everything bad that happens in your life is attributed to your own actions of sins. Sometimes stuff comes into our life just because sin is in the world just because bad things happen in a broken world. The question is, like here, how do we look at this stuff? How do we perceive this stuff? What does Jesus say? 
Jesus says, listen, this is not about whether this guy did something bad. It's not about whether his family did something bad. When I look at this guy, I see the possibility for God to do something awesome. How does his viewpoint compare? When he looks at this blind man from birth, he's not about exercising judgment. He's about looking at him and saying, wow, God has the possibility of doing a miracle in this guy's life. And this is the moment, and he's the opportunity. How do you look at the people around you? Do you look at them judgmental? Or do you look at them, recognize their brokenness, and say, wow, this is an opportunity for God to get in their life and do something awesome and change their life. You look at the end in verse 4. Jesus says, as long as this day, as long as we got time, we must do the works of him who sent me. What's he about? Having God's eyes, God's attitude, and doing God's actions. We got to do the work. We got to do the work. We get God's eyes, God's attitudes, and God's actions. He says, night is coming when no one can work. You see, that person that you meet may get to a place in their life where a miracle becomes impossible. And you may be the only person in that moment that can look at them with the possibility that Jesus could do something and change their life. How do you see people? You see, judgment can blind us. And if that would be true for us, if that would be the way God would look at us, wow, would we be in trouble. Psalm 103. The Lord is, say it with me, compassionate and gracious. Amen. Oh, thank you. I need that. He's slow to anger. Yes, thank you. I need that. He's abounding in love. Oh, it's my only hope. Amen? Why? Because he will not always accuse. He doesn't miss our mistakes. Sure, he judges, but he doesn't do it with just a judgmental attitude. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He looks at you and he looks at me and he looks beyond our faults and he sees the possibility of grace and what our lives can be. Don't let judgment blind you. Jesus didn't let judgment blind him. He saw the opportunity for God to do a work in this man's life. Now notice, the man isn't asking for it. The man is not sitting by the roadside saying, Son of David, you're the one. I know you can change my life. Son of David, come and do a work, will you? Come on, man, come on. He's not asking. He's not imploring. He's blind. He can't see what's going on. He don't know who's walking by. He doesn't know what anything's going on. It's purely Jesus looking at him and saying, Hey, you're broken. I can change your life. And so he takes some mud and he spits on it and he rubs it on his eyes and he says to him, Go, wash in the pool. This old man went and he washed and he came home what? See, how awesome is Jesus when he looks at our lives? 
Now, notice this. I love this healing. I love the way Jesus does this. He does healings all kinds of ways, right? You know, he's with a, with a centurion or whatever, and he heals from a distance just by his word. I mean, but this one is really cool for me, right? Because he takes mud and spit. Can you imagine the number of times this blind guy, by judgmental people, had his face rubbed in the ground over the years? Can you imagine the number of times while he's sitting there begging, not knowing who's passing by, not seeing a thing, the number of times he was spit upon in his life? And then Jesus comes along and takes those very things, gets his hands literally dirty, and changes his life. What do you need to know? Here's the real question. When you look in the mirror in the morning, How do you see that person? Judgmentally? Or do you see that person in the mirror with the opportunity for Jesus Christ to get his hands dirty in your life and make it something different? When you look in the mirror, do you believe there's the possibility for Jesus Christ to take mud and spit and whatever it is that's wrong in your life and actually Get in there, get dirty, get grimy, and make your life more than it could ever be by yourself. Don't let judgment blind you to the opportunity for others or for yourself. Next one, doubt. So the miracle happens. Who do we meet next? Next we meet the neighbors. (laughs) We get the neighbors. It says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, no, this is me. I am the guy. I am the man. (laughs) Well, then how then were your eyes open, they said. Well, he replied, look, this man called Jesus. He made some money. And he put it on my eyes and he told me, go and wash. And I did. and, And I went and washed and I could see. And so they say, well, if that's the case... Where the heck is the guy? Well, I, I, I don't know. He walked away. What's going on in this whole experience with the neighbors? The neighbors are doubting. What are they doubting? Well, on the surface, it looks like they're simply doubting whether the guy was ever really blind to begin with, right? They're doubting the guy was ever really blind. And remember, we established this in the first two verses. The guy was born blind, okay? But, no, oh, wait, oh, wait, really, seriously, he could have been pretending all these years just to get out of his homework. You know what I mean? Is he, was he really blind? And then they, when they, they find, well, okay, could be, could be him. Then they start doubting, saying, well, okay, who did it? Really? Can any, here's the real question. Here's the real question. You see, blind doubts us. And what does it do? Uh, doubt blinds us and what it does it blinds us so we stop believing that God could make any difference in our life that's what they're doing isn't it they're saying seriously seriously you're trying to convince me that God did this you're trying to tell me you had a miracle and God changed your life that's what doubt does you see doubt Doubt kills us because it stops us from believing 
that Jesus could make any difference in our life at all. Doubt stops us from believing the possibility that God could do a work in our life so incredible and so immense that our lives could absolutely change. Doubt kills the possibility for God to do what God wants to do, what He desires to do, what He intends to do, but we doubt He can do. It comes out like this. I, don't, I just don't see how it's possible that anything can get better in our marriage. I, I just don't see that it's possible that I can give up alcohol. I, I, I don't, it's not possible for me to give up drugs. Just get used to it. It's just not possible for me to give up. You see what doubt does? Doubt convinces us to stay in our old life instead of embracing the new life that Jesus wants to achieve in our life. So the neighbors come along and they say, really, I doubt it. And what is the guy saying? He's like, listen, all I can tell you is he took mud, he put it in my eyes, I can see. It is what it is. You see, he knows Jesus made a difference. We believe Jesus can make a difference. Next one. This is a tough one. Blind habits. So now we've been through the disciples, we've been through the neighbors, now we meet these guys, the Pharisees. Okay? We meet the guy, the Pharisees. They get all upset about this whole thing. And it says, so they, on that day, which was the Sabbath, they got this guy in front of them, and they said, who did this? What's going on here? Verse 15, it says, he put mud on my eyes. The man replied, I washed, and now I see. Now look at verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, meaning Jesus. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Excuse me? What, if, what are they doing? They're saying, well, wait a minute. No, this, no, this can't be a miracle because he violated our habits. And we are not going to give up our habits so this guy can roam around giving sight to blind people. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be in that room at that moment? I mean, I wish I was in that room in that moment. I mean, I just want to look at these guys and go... What? I mean, seriously, wouldn't you like to be there? Just going, you're kidding me, right? The guy can see. <laughs> Did we miss something here? He was blind from birth, and now he's seeing, and you're worried about some old habits. Seriously. We do that all the time. Yes, I want our marriage to get together, but I am not about to pick up my clothes from the floor. Just get used to it. We do that all the time. Listen, I'd love to tie to the church, but you know, I get a new car every other year. Now, I couldn't drive a used car. I get a new car every other year. So we just can't afford it. Seriously? I mean, are you, are you really seriously saying it's more important to hang on to your habits than it is to experience the fullness of a miracle 
of what new thing God wants to do in your life. And yet a lot of people do it. They choose to stay blind and hold on to the habits. And you want to just be with them. And when they're in my office, I'll admit this to you, folks. doesn't mean don't come to my office. I'll be kind and compassionate and gracious. But there are times I want to just look at you and say, What? <laughs> Seriously? When God is offering you the opportunity for your life to be absolutely changed and you're worried about some old habit. And it happens in churches. It happens too. What do you mean you're changing things? What do you mean you're rearranging things? That's not the way we do it here. I mean, my goodness, we've done it that way since we moved into the new building. How can we do something new and different? You're kidding me. Right? Seriously. No, we can accomplish the mission, we think, in a better way. We can make more impact. We can change more lives if we do it this way. Well, I, 